Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. We're in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 verse 14 has kind of been the launching point of these weeks as we discuss the peace of God that passes all understanding. I used to say that phrase as a kid, and uh, as as kids, we grew up and we used the King James version of the Bible, and so uh, we would I would hear this phrase, "the peace that passeth all understanding." And as a young person, maybe that phrase doesn't quite uh, resonate. But the older you get, the older I get, the more times I reflect on this peace of God that doesn't really make sense. When the world around us is chaotic or there's things that are happening in our own life that are troubling, how do we experience this actual peace of God? And as we think about December 26th, we're in the period in between Christmas and New Year's. We're coming off either the thrill or disappointment of yesterday's events. And we wrestle with the tension and anxiety or the optimism that comes with the new year. And so today I want to discuss uh, how do we deal with our disappointments Uh, peace even while we're disappointed regardless of the time of year uh, there will be times in your life where you experience disappointment Um, for those of you who have been praying for snow by the way congratulations you win right Uh, some of you woke up and thought oh no I have to make a 600 mile journey today and they're disappointed in the weather Uh, maybe you were disappointed in what uh, Christmas uh, was revealed to be underneath those wrapping, uh, the wrapped packages. Um, But to be uh, fair, to be honest, there will be times when we are disappointed. So what do we do with that disappointment? Um, There will be moments where we feel like God has let us down. There will be moments where we feel like you've done everything you could do to raise your kids in the way that you think is right, and yet they just kind of don't embrace everything you've taught them, and you might be disappointed there. You've had dreams of having this great uh, marriage, and maybe you're, you're still looking for that part of the puzzle in your life. You are, uh, you're disappointed there. You're, uh, you didn't plan on battling depression or battling anxiety like you have right now. Maybe you just didn't plan on 2020 uh, or 2021. Um, I'm a little troubled that 2022 could also be viewed as 2020 also, 2022, get it? We might have to repeat that year. Uh, So what do you do when you feel like when God lets you down? We're in Luke chapter 2, verse 14 is kind of where we launched out where scripture tells us this, glory to God in highest and peace on earth to those whom God is well pleased. We want to pick it up though in verse 10 as we lead up to that verse. Uh, this conversation between the angels. Uh, It says this, the angels reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that that will bring great joy to all people. He says this, I will bring you good news that will bring great joy. Imagine coming home from work or coming home from the grocery store or running around errands and you get home and you tell your spouse or you tell your kids, I have good news that's going to bring great joy. All of a sudden the expectations have been elevated, haven't they? The expectations of what might come next are, have been elevated. I love that what Jesus knew, what God knew is that 
uh, we needed a savior. Uh, if we needed advice, God would have sent a counselor, wouldn't he? If we needed different laws, perhaps God would have sent a politician or an emperor or a king. If we needed more education, he would have brought just a teacher. Uh, but he knew we needed forgiveness, we needed hope, so he sent a Savior. Look at verse 11. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Look at verse 12, and he reminds us, you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. This sign is an object that points to a meaning, and so uh, there was a sign that God sent us. He didn't send us a king, but instead a baby born in a hollowed-out cave, perhaps wrapped in these uh, cloths, a sign that this heavenly royalty was really born to die. We read on in verse 13, it says, Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Today we think about this young couple, couple Mary and Joseph, and what it's like for them to travel through this journey of betrayal, this deceit, maybe relational devastation, this news that could have broke them apart. We're going to watch as this young couple, Mary and Joseph, they might be unfairly criticized or unfairly shamed and humiliated. They have this unexpected birth followed by a nightmare where they're running basically as fugitives from Herod's decree. And all of this trouble leads to this no doubt disappointment. So Mary and Joseph, they're engaged to be married, they're betrothed, they have plans together, uh, their families have plans, no doubt their plan families had uh, taken part in the engagement. Joseph is a carpenter by trade and he's going to care and provide for Mary and one day they're going to start a family. One day came way early, didn't it? These are real people and I want you to think about Mary and Joseph and just the planning of a young couple getting married. You think about uh, Joseph and him preparing the home. You think about the resources. You think about him maybe working overtime to gather enough funds or resources to prepare for their life after Mary, marriage. And yet God interrupted these plans, and he gives these two a complicated, untimely, probably unfair journey. I want you to think about when the angel visits Mary um, she visits Mary. She tells Mary all of these things that are about to happen. And I want you to think about Mary's conversation with Joseph after that. Imagine her telling Joseph about this conversation that um, I'm pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like if you just listen to that sentence, it doesn't really make sense. Joseph was this righteous, honorable man. He, uh, the Bible tells us he didn't want to publicly disgrace Mary. He had no intention of disgracing her. But he does want to divorce her quietly. Now, it's interesting. I read about some Jewish culture, and there are two parts of engagement, or the wedding for a Jewish culture. There's the engagement and the actual marriage. So the engagement is called the Kedushin. Everybody try to say that with me. Ready? Kedushin. It's like, uh, it's like what Jackson was doing on the snare, maybe. Right? It's, it's kind of that word. Kedushin is the engagement. The hupa is the, married, the marriage. Everyone say hupa. So the Kedushin was the engagement, and the hupa was the marriage. But for all intents and purposes, when you got engaged in Jewish culture, 
you were married. You were betrothed. It was much more of a binding agreement. Technically, you were already married during the condition, during the engagement. It was so serious in that engagement that if someone died during the engagement period, the wife would be considered a widow. So technically, they're married, yet the ceremony and the gift uh, of the ceremony comes much later. So they're technically married, but they're still anticipating the wedding. So they would uh, remain uh, pure. They would, not have, they would not consummate their relationship during the engagement period. They would wait till the wedding. But for all intents and purposes, they joined their life together. They started bringing resources together. And yet during this period, during the engagement period, Mary has to tell Joseph, I'm pregnant. They're technically married, but they're still anticipating this wedding. And Joseph knows they haven't been intimate. And he's crushed. He's got to be. He's got to be disappointed. It's a uh, life-altering, perhaps, disappointment. He trusted Mary. Their families trusted one another. Um, There was this agreement, this uh, covenant that they were going to enter together. And now all of the plans have been shifted. All of the plans have been altered. And there is this fair amount of disappointment that has to set in. Here's a young teenage girl who didn't do anything wrong. And yet she's dealt with this set of circumstances that in the moment probably feels a little overwhelming. His fiance is pregnant. So he considers divorcing her. He considers doing it quietly not to shame her, but to alleviate both of them from this relationship. And no doubt, both Mary and Joseph, privately and even together, probably uttered this prayer, God, where are you? So what do you do when you feel disappointed? I want you to think about something very specific. I want you to think about when, uh, what is the last thing you were disappointed in? I'm going to share a couple of them from my life. But I want you to think about even the last couple of years or maybe the last couple of weeks, what has brought you disappointment? Some of you might have had a similar experience where uh, you have these plans that are laid out in front of you and God alters them. And you're still in the middle of figuring out why God might have done that. Maybe it's this last year. Maybe it's this last couple of years. Um, I've had a few disappointments, a few things I wish would have gone the other way. And a couple of them I've made peace with, and some of them are still troubling in my heart. Um, I had the opportunity uh, a couple of years ago at the, I want to say the spring or the summer of, of 2020, uh, to go to Guatemala, right? And um, there was a missions uh, organization that extended an uh, invitation for me to go out there to preach. Libby has been to that mission field before on missions trip. And they asked me to come and to help teach uh, some, uh, some men in their uh, Bible College Institute. And so uh, the dates worked out. I talked to the elders, and the elders approved it. Steve, you were part of that decision to bless that trip. Jay was. Uh, the money was set aside. We had money, funds. And then all of a sudden, the pandemic happened. And the news started rolling in, and all these countries started shutting down. And we were within weeks away of that trip, and I had to shut that down. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get to go to Guatemala. Um, Something not as serious, so just bear with me. Um, But for my 40th birthday, which was May of 2020, 
uh, I wanted to take a trip to Massachusetts. I wanted to take a trip to Massachusetts. I've never been on the East Coast. I wanted to see some of the historic things that are in New England. But I also wanted to visit the National Basketball Hall of Fame that's in, uh, that's in Massachusetts. Stop laughing so loud, Jay. Uh, it's there in Massachusetts. And I wanted to visit that. Kobe Bryant was going to get inducted in May of 2020, or April of 2020. He tragically passed away the early part of 2020. I still wanted to go out there, uh, but they canceled the ceremony. We had to cancel our trip. There was a couple of trips I think we had to cancel. That was one of them. I still have yet to been to the Hall of Fame. Hopefully that will happen in the next couple of years. Uh, what do you do when life just hands you this disappointment? Um, it was in 2020, the summer of 2020. It was June, I believe, of 2020. Uh, Libby and I found out we couldn't have kids. And that was hard. Um, I remember in January of 2020 that we, we sat down with a few people in our life and we said, would you pray that uh, this year Libby and I would be able to start a family? And we invited people into that prayer and we asked people to pray for that. And June, so after the pandemic, um, we found out we couldn't have kids. Um, you talk about just being disappointed. So um, I'm guessing that in so many of our lives, just like mine, you're facing things that you just haven't planned on. And I don't know how many times I have prayed the prayer, dear God, I just don't understand. I don't understand. I, all, I, all I really want is to be a dad, and I'm not able to. All I really want is to have a family. And for some reason, it's not part of your prayer or your answer. So no matter how many people prayed for us or with us, the prayer just didn't get answered the way we would like. Um, there's something in each of us that's like that. There's a disappointment that has settled in where God has taken us to a place in our life and for one reason or another, we sit in the middle of our disappointment. So this today, I want to share two truths about this disappointment. The first truth is this. You don't have to understand the plan to trust God has a purpose. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Uh, there's this powerful verse in Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19 says this. Many, everybody say many. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. We all have plans, right? We have plans for the rest of this week. We have plans for the rest of this year, perhaps. We have plans or ideas of what we would like to have happen in our lives. We pray for those plans. We plan for those plans. We save for those plans. The verse continues, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Mary had plans. Joseph had plans. But it was the purpose of the Lord that would stand. I thank God that he has a purpose for our life. Sometimes it's really frustrating to not know what that purpose is. And we sit and rest in this disappointment. But I thank God that people's opinions can't stop God's purpose. I thank God that um, my disappointment can't stop God's purpose. I thank God that 
Many are the plans in my own life, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Joseph definitely had plans, and then this situation took over. Look at how Matthew records this portion of Joseph's life. It says this, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Said this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. In the middle of Joseph's disappointment, God does something special. He has this divine purpose. There's still a purpose in the middle of all things. And even if we don't understand, we get to trust that God has a purpose. Now here's the beautiful thing. I have been able to see in my life uh, that through every disappointment, as I look through the rearview mirror, um, I can see that God had a purpose behind those disappointments. I can see where God orchestrated things in my life and in the people uh, around me that ultimately pointed the glory to God. That's what the rear view is for, right? It's to give you this window of where you've been and to allow you to see perspective of what might have been. So you don't have to understand the plan to trust God has a purpose. And I would say secondly this uh, morning, your disappointment with God might actually be a divine appointment from God. There are times in life, I promise, when we might feel disappointed and let down, really wondering where God is. And your disappointment with God might actually be this divine appointment from God. There may be some things right now that haven't gone the way you hoped, and it's hard to find this peace. Uh, it's not what you had planned. And I pray you find comfort in knowing that Mary and Joseph were in this similar situation, yet God's purpose was revealed to them over time. So you think about just the sequence of events. Mary has a dream. Joseph has a dream. Mary tells Joseph, and now they're in this position where they have to decide, do they do life together now? They're 90 miles away from Bethlehem, and all of a sudden, Caesar Augustus gives this decree. You've got to go back to your hometown for a census. So uh, you just let's just contextualize this. Where would we go in this room if you had to go back to your hometown? Rita, where would you go? Great Falls, Montana. I thought I knew that. How about you? Dirks, Arkansas. So you guys are going in separate directions, right? John, where would you go? Oklahoma City. Mike? Detroit, Michigan. That's right. Jay? Oh, you wouldn't have long to go, Jay. You just head down, right? Libby? Yeah? Barb? Raleigh, California. Jim, how about you? Lodi. Okay, Allison. I was going to say you're here, right? How about you guys? Troy, Rebecca? Riverside? Chico? Sopers? Right here, right? Amber? Here? I'd have to get on a plane. I'd have to go to India. Gosh, if Caesar Augustus could rule America and India, though, that would be, right? So I want you to just contextualize this. You get this decree that you have to go to your hometown to be registered for this census. Um, you'll often see this scene, right, with Joseph with this well-manicured beard and uh, the staff, and it's such a serene 
picture. And no doubt during the birth of Christ, there was this moment where everything was calm, everything that was promised actually came fulfilled, and there was this serene moment. Oftentimes in Christmas cards, I love Christmas cards, by the way, we uh, put all of ours up on one of our walls, and uh, it started as a shape of a heart. It's kind of like a blob now. Um, We got too many, I couldn't round out the edges. But some of the Christmas cards will have the scene of Mary and Joseph and maybe a donkey and they're traveling over a hill and all is calm, all is bright. Let's shed some light on this road trip, shall we, just for a moment. 90-mile trip on a donkey while you're pregnant. We're talking at least two weeks of time. Uh, Joseph was a carpenter, so he was not uh, working during these two or three weeks, which means he didn't have a source of income. Um, they would be traveling through a Judean desert where it would be freezing and snowing perhaps every single night, depending on the time of Jesus' birth in the calendar. They were in constant danger just because of the uh, terrain. It was the valley of the Jordan River that was heavily forested, the best we understand it. There were robbers and pirates waiting for people like Joseph, and so he, ha- he would have to try to defend himself and his, his uh, wife, so they wouldn't rob him. Um, there were wild animals. No doubt they would have to fight off. Uh, and Mary is very pregnant in perhaps snowy conditions in the evening, facing potential threat everywhere, traveling on, I'm sure, not a very comfortable donkey's back. The long journey on here, um, they wouldn't be able to uh, stop nearly as often as they would like. Um, I'm just thinking of contractions, I'm thinking of panicking, I'm thinking of um, trying to get where they're going, there's no uh, place to stay, the idea of hotels and inns uh, were at their infancy stages, and so there was not a lot of places they could stay. Uh, He gets there, and there's no place for them to rest. I want you to think about being tired, you're out in the snow, Um, and you just want to rest, you just want to get dry, you just want to get warm. And we know the story, they are um, left with the option of going into a barn. And on top of this, before they can get home, they find out that Herod wants to eliminate their child. It wasn't bad enough that they had to do this journey, it wasn't bad enough that that she was at her uh, final stages of the pregnancy, it wasn't that Uh, just all of these other circumstances, now there is the threat that the firstborn child would be killed. There's no income, so there's no working. They just gave birth to their baby. Uh, Their reputation is uh, at stake. They're on the run because Jesus' life is in danger. And I want you to think about Mary, and you fast forward all the way to the cross. You fast forward all the way through the teenage years, all the way through uh, when he's 20 and 25, and he goes into the public ministry. And I want you to think about all those three years of the miracles and the teaching and going through all that, and we end up at the cross, and there is Mary at the cross. She looks on and sees her son. She sees this Uh, she sees Jesus, the one she gave birth to, the one she traveled 90 miles in two or three weeks and and everything that led to the birth of Christ. And then this is the same child that went to the temple at 12 years old and they lost him for a moment. This is the same uh, Jesus that uh, during the wedding she asked him 
to do her a favor, to help continue this celebration at the wedding. This is the same Jesus that healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law. This is the same Jesus where, um, that loved people so well, and here he was dying on a cross. His face has disfigured her own flesh, her own blood. It doesn't even look like a human being, Isaiah tells us. And while the creation is mocking God in the flesh, Jesus, the Recreator, he looks up and he says, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He lifts up his head towards heaven and he says, Father, I did what you sent me to do. It's finished. In your hands I commit my spirit. And the mother of Jesus, who said yes to God as a teenager, watches her son die. You don't have to understand the plan when you trust God has a purpose. And when you know God and when you love him and when you trust him and you yield your plans to his purpose, something special happens. Um, As your pastor, I've had to remind myself of this truth multiple times a day recently. That when I don't understand the plans in front of me, God has a purpose. We've had to wrestle with that truth as a family. And I'm telling you, it's not easy. It's not convenient. It is not without pain. It is not without difficulty. But I can also say there is peace in trusting God's purpose. This, in so many ways, is the story of Christmas. No one could have planned that God would have become a man conceived by the Holy Spirit, wrapped in clothes. Mary and Joseph had their plans, but God had an ultimate purpose. And the good news is this. You were that purpose. You were God's purpose. I love the verse at the end of Matthew 1 and verse 21 where it says this, And she shall have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What do we need? Well, we didn't need a politician. We didn't need a teacher. We didn't need an emperor. We didn't need a ruler. We needed a savior. We needed forgiveness. We needed healing. We needed hope. And this is why God sent a savior. Uh, He didn't inherit the sin nature from an earthly father. He was born of a virgin. He's called the Lamb of God, the perfect one, the one who would never sin so he could give his, his life in our place. Uh, this peace we've been talking about these last few weeks, it's not a concept. It is the name of Jesus. He is our peace. I know so many people are experiencing hurt and heartbreaking loss. And this time of year seems to, um, how many of you found yourself that this time of year seems to magnify those hurts, the losses? It was a couple of, uh, a few days ago, uh, Libby and I were commenting how uh, it feels different this Christmas. We miss family more this Christmas. It's hard to be separated. Um, And yet there is a peace that anchors our heart, our soul. We can trust that even though we don't fully understand, God's purposes are good, his ways are perfect, he's always good, and in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the disappointment, there is someone you can trust. His name is Jesus. It's difficult, I know, and it's hard to wrap our minds around the fact that 
we live where disappointment is a part of life. And church, I just want you to embrace that we don't have to understand the plan to trust God has a purpose. In fact, the greatest freedom you may experience is you just letting go a bit of your plan in favor of embracing God's purpose in your life. The greatest peace you might actually find is in relinquishing whatever control you think you have um, in favor of his purpose. I asked you to think about a disappointment in your life. I want to pray over that disappointment together as a church family. So uh, let's bow for this time of prayer as we consider God as the source of our peace. Heavenly Father, as we think through areas and places in our life where um, our expectation and reality have not measured up. I pray that you would do a work in our hearts. Father, we grieve with those who grieve. And there is so much grief right now. Right now, by faith, God, we rejoice in the good news of who you are your love, your mercy, and we pray that, God, as we cast your cares on you, that you would care for us. We thank you, God, that we have a peace that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds, our souls in Christ Jesus. God, help us to put our trust in you even when we don't understand, knowing you're always good, knowing you're always loving. We ask for your peace today. We're going to give you a space just to have your heads bowed and maybe have a moment where you pray over a disappointment right now. Our worship team, Jackson and Libby, are going to come forward and we're going to prepare to lead us in a couple of songs that help center our hearts on who you are, on who God is. I might ask you this as we just have this moment of reflection. Where do you stand with God right now? Where do you stand with God? There's some that might say, well, you don't know. There's others that might say, well, I'm doing the best I can, Daniel. But there are places in my life where I'm disappointed. I just want to remind you this morning, he loves you. He loves you so much that we, uh, we celebrate a season where that represents the fact that he loved you so much he sent his son. He didn't shout how much he loved you from heaven, but he showed you his love on earth. Perfect in every way, born of a virgin, the one who um, the religious rejected, the one who loved the outcasts, the broken, the hurting. He was the innocent sacrifice. And my prayer is for you today that in the middle of your disappointment, you would rest your weary heart, and the one who has loved you, the one who died for you, the one who created you. Who better to yield your life to than the one who gave you life, the one who created you? Heavenly Father, as we uh, prepare to sing, as we prepare to worship, um, there are hearts, uh, there are places in our hearts, Lord, where It's difficult to make sense of the circumstances in our life or maybe in the life of those we love, Lord. I pray that peace doesn't become something we sing about only. Peace doesn't become something where we just uh, talk about it, but Lord, uh, as we yield our plans to your purpose, 
that it becomes something we experience in a deep and a meaningful way. We love you, Lord, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.